Welcome back to the Modern Day Overthinker podcast. I am your host, Colin. This episode's guest is Jenna Overbaugh. She is a licensed professional counselor focusing on OCD and anxiety. So we focused on, obviously, OCD and anxiety, mainly OCD. It's very close to home for me. I uh, have been living with obsessive compulsive disorder since about the age of 13, 14 is when I was diagnosed. And we had a great conversation. So this is a very OCD 101 type of episode that you can learn a lot from if you're not familiar with obsessive compulsive disorder or maybe have some questions about it or don't really quite fully understand how it affects people, this will give you some great insight. Yeah, just uh, we'll start by introducing you. Um, everyone, this is Jenna Overbaugh. She is a licensed therapist. Uh, it can be called different things in different states, as we were just discussing. Um, uh, she specializes in OCD and anxiety disorders, and we've kind of gotten to know each other. We've done a couple different lives together. Yeah, we've stuck it out. We've been together now a couple times. Yeah, we're basically best friends at basically. this point. So, uh, yeah. So we wanted we're to talk about our way back to each other this way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's that Midwest it. charm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that OCD anxiety charm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We got to stick together because it can be really crazy. It's rough out there. Yeah out there basically in here mostly um but yeah um wanted to talk about you just generally talk about ocd to start out with and give people an idea of what ocd really is you know there's a lot of uh different uh people tend to use it as uh, an adjective a lot which is kind of uh frustrating for people who actually have ocd so we kind of want to talk about that a little bit but sure yeah just uh if you had to explain OCD to somebody who had no idea what it was, what would be the first thing you would say to them? Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. And I don't know if I've ever actually been asked that before. So it's a just really, like really layman's question. terms. Like, I don't like somebody just no idea. Yeah. So, and it, it happens a lot, right? I usually get my family members who they know I'm an OCD therapist and they're like, well, what's that? Or they say something offensive. Like you said, like, with the best of intentions, they say, oh, yeah, I, I have a little bit of that. Or they try to relate a little bit. And yeah. so I say, actually, no, you know, you know, we do get these kind of media portrayals as though it is all about cleanliness or germs or having to have everything perfect. But and, and while that can happen, that's really a drop in the bucket of what can happen with OCD. So I would say OCD is where someone has a lot of repetitive and distressing thoughts or like inner experiences. Um, and they misinterpret those things as being really important. And they misinterpret those things as being like their responsibility. They have to fix it right now. They have to call all the attention in the world to it. And because it causes so much anxiety, they have to do these, you know, certain behaviors. Um, and those can either be kind of mental behaviors or more overt, uh, external ritualistic behaviors. Um, and that feels really good in the moment. It feels like, oh, cool. Okay. I don't have to worry about that anymore. But um, it just negatively kind of reinforces that thought or that negative experience in the first place. So then they feel themselves having to do more of it and more of it and more of it. It's kind of like anxiety meets uh, a casino. Like 
it starts off like, okay, I'm just going to do this one thing. I'm just going to do this one behavior, but it just, you keep needing more, you keep needing more and more and more and more. So it's, yeah. it's a cycle. Basically yeah, you absolutely. get yourself into like, it's basically kind of like a hamster running on a wheel. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I've done previous talks about this and um, a lot of the OCD specialists in the field, they don't feel too differently from me. Um, I was always kind of of the opinion, like what, what's really the difference between OCD and anxiety? Like, obviously yeah. there are colloquial differences, right? And I, I think uh, in terms of like the generic experience, we could say like, oh yeah, that's just generalized anxiety or, oh, that's definitely OCD. But when it comes down to it, when we look at the functions and we look at the analysis of like the cycle and how it all works, it works exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So it kind of becomes a difference in like parsing out trivial distinctions between generalized anxiety disorder and OCD. I always think of generalized anxiety disorder as kind of like this rolling thunder. Uh, It's kind of like just this like constant in the background, but never really too much. Like it never really, you know, pulls you away from anything too, too much. Unless you have an anxiety attack. Yeah. I think of OCD as like a lightning bolt. Um, not to say that a rolling storm or like rolling thunder can't also be awful. Um, I definitely different. think it would be awful, but I think of it as far as like the pervasiveness and the intensity in that, in that moment. Um, so yeah, I think they're, they're very similar and we treat them similarly. Yeah. It can get really intense. I mean, when you get in that, uh, that mode of like that fight or flight, type of mentality like where you have to do something otherwise you think you know you're gonna be you know stuck or something bad's gonna happen or whatever your fear is there's always a fear behind um behind the uh before you do the compulsion basically that makes you want to act on the compulsion to make you feel like better for that particular time period but you know, compulsions, as I've learned, uh, are just making things worse. And the more you do them, the harder it is for you to get back into, uh, you know, defeating the OCD, the OCD bully, as I've learned that term recently. And I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, the bully inside your head that you're dealing with, um, and yeah, I've been struggling back and forth, whether it's like, you know, like a like ridiculous, like hard to get out of bed struggle to, you know, just struggling with it on a day to day basis as like, it's kind of like this is like, it's kind of like a fly that won't go away sometimes. Yeah. I um I actually use that analogy a lot with people. Um, it's so weird that you say that because I literally, it's literally an analogy that I use all the time to talk about, you know, imagine you were at a campfire, right? Like you're doing an enjoyable activity, you're socializing, you're hanging out with your friends, you're by this like beautiful fire, having a good time. Let's say that you, um, there was this like obnoxious fly or this obnoxious mosquito, right? And it's just like kind of buzzing around you and it's just really obnoxious. We want people through treatment, this is something that we try to have them do. We want them to try to treat these intrusive thoughts or these intrusive experiences, um, kind of like that mosquito or kind of like that fly, right? Like just kind of like 
temporarily you find it obnoxious, but, but without too much difficulty, right. You can bring it back to what it is that you value. You can bring it back to the bonfire. You can bring it back to uh, the socializing. You, you kind of can table that um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to what OCD wants you to do, which is like, no, I can't enjoy this bonfire. I can't be with my friends. I need to hone in on this mosquito. I need to hone in on this fly and take care of it right now. And I, it's this mosquito that you'll never be able to catch. It's, yeah. So it's, you can it's, completely take yourself out of reality with like dealing with it. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Like um, when people talk about like, you know, out in a crowded room and, and you're, you feel like you're by yourself because you kind of get into your own, you get into your own head and you get into your own world and you're so focused on ultra focused on this obsession that it controls everything. Yeah, for sure. I've definitely gotten to that point many a times. Um, but yeah, I, uh, but yeah, since we've last talked, there's been some, some, uh, changes in my, uh, in my therapy and what I've been doing to approach and work on my OCD. And, uh, I finally took the leap after wanting to do it for so long anyway. Um, Unfortunately, insurance is still an issue, but whatever. I'm just dealing with it. I work with insurance anyway, so I know how complicated it can be. Um, made the leap to yes, the worst. So I made the leap to uh, to no CDE, which I like. I said I've known about for a long time and uh, learned about it a little bit from you as well, and just from years and years. I've had the app on my phone. I never really looked at it until like more recently, but um, it's very, it's a very cool experience and I'm not getting paid to say any of this, any of this at all. Um, and I didn't force them. Yeah. Maybe they'll throw me a free session. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but uh, basically uh, what I like about it is I needed to focus on my main issue Um and I needed somebody that specialized in that issue because there's a lot of therapists out there that are really good at what they do. They're good at listening. They're good at providing feedback. And I had a really good therapist before I switched and he was a great guy. He got me through a lot of things that I was going through, but he didn't, we couldn't just like hyper-focus on the OCD just because that wasn't his like, bread and butter that wasn't his specialty like he knew about anxiety generalized anxiety he understand about he understood like i have major depressive disorder so he understood that i mean he understood ocd he wasn't dumb by any means he had a phd he not wasn't an idiot but at the same time he you know and he even knew about the hierarchy of you know hierarchy of fears and we were starting with lower things that you know didn't give me as much anxiety and kind of working my way up with my exposures and things like that. But it just uh, got to a point where I was like, I think I need to make a change and really focus on um, and face this head on like I need to. Well, and I I think the fact that you finally did come to, whether it was us or whether it was someone else who really specializes in OCD. It was tough. It was tough to find somebody else really, to be honest with you. 100%. You guys and, and are kind of you guinda, you're kinda, the you're kinda killing the game. You're kind of taking it over right now. 
it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, I looked and you don't know, like when people say they specialize in OCD, you don't know if they really do. And, you know, going with a place like no, like no CD, you know, that's what, what's, what's up, you know, what's going on, you know, what you signed up for. Yeah. Yeah. And our training is incredible. So I do, I do think that, you know, in the event that if all the other boxes don't align, right? Like if, if you can't access treatment, if you're in an area where there's no ERP specialists, if it's an insurance thing, if it's money, if it's just a personal barrier, like you're just not there yet. I do think that there are other options, right? Like I'd rather someone be in therapy than not in therapy at all. I'd rather someone like do a self-taught course than nothing at all. But at the end of the day, and I'm sure you can attest to this, like having someone who specializes in OCD, we're like OCD, we're like OCD detectives. Like we see things that are OCD that someone who's never, or doesn't really specialize in it would like let go very easily. Right. And it's a skill, like you really need to the same way that like a chef has a really sensitive and like particular palate for certain ingredients. Having worked with OCD since 2008, I feel like I can see through things that, you know, a run of the mill, or maybe they've only been working with OCD for a year or two, they they might let slide. And Mm. with OCD, you really can't let that much slide because it is one of those disorders and you know, right? Like if you give the OCD a little bit of reassurance, or if you give it a little bit of a compulsion, it's not enough. You just need more and you need more. Um, So I'm really happy that you were able to see like a a true and tried specialist who can kind of negotiate, like, you know, just sleuth their way through all those different things. And as I know we wanted to get to talking about subtypes and I think this is where having a trained specialist in OCD really comes into play because OCD doesn't always fit into these like nice categories with these like perfect little bows. It's not always contamination OCD. It's not always harm intrusive thoughts or sexual intrusive thoughts or scrupulosity or symmetry and perfectionism. Those things all do happen and they all are very kind of more traditional subtypes, but I almost like, I almost am starting to wonder, and this is me just like talking out loud here, like thinking to myself out loud. I wonder if we're doing more harm than good with these subtypes. Like I, I do think that the subtypes are good. And when I say subtypes, I mean like contamination, OCD, harm, OCD, sexual, um, intrusive thoughts or pedophilic OCD, sexual orient. And you could just like, I feel like every week there's like one more, right? Like there's yeah. one more. I've learned there's- about them. Yeah. I learned about uh, the the one the new one that I learned recently. I would say not super recently because it was actually brought up by uh, my psychiatrist. Brought it up was relationship OCD mm-hmm. um, subtype and uh, the obsession with uh, whether I'm in a relationship or not in a relationship. But when I'm in a relationship, I get very obsessive about um, is this person is this the right person for me um uh and just questioning every little thing about them and uh and I definitely did that with my last relationship and uh I don't know if it was like the reason that ended but um I'm trying not to go back and guess that um because that's just going to turn me into this spiral because I know better now well and that's like going back to your initial question which is like what is OCD that's OCD to me like the constant questioning of everything Oh yeah. Right. The, the what ifs, it feeds off the what ifs is basically. 
A hundred percent. And, and like, we don't do that with any other disorder, right? Like we don't have relationship depression. We don't have divorce depression. We don't have like loss of job depression, right? It's just like, depression. <laughs> yeah. It's just depression. And we know that, right? Like when we feel sad and loss of interest and loss of engagement in our pleasurable and enjoyable activities, like we know that. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many people were missing instead of having these subtypes, which do capture people, right? Like I do think that there is benefit because I'm sure just I'm sure as soon as you heard relationship OCD where you're like oh my god that's me like that's a thing it's not just me right like it's not just something wrong with me that's a thing I connect with people it, like, I can obsess over it I can obsess over anything though like but yes and so that's I wonder though if we didn't have subtypes and if we just talked about OCD as being like the doubt disorder and like the what if disorder and just the questioning of everything disorder would we be able to capture more people? Like, would you maybe have known just like, you know, when you're feeling depressed and you know what that is? I don't know. I know it's, I don't have I understand answer. what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, it's like you're getting, they might get too carried away with the subtypes. I think there should, I, I, I think the standard subtypes make sense. Uh, like the harm and contamination and things like that. Um, make sense um maybe you approach them a little bit differently i don't know um but uh they're easier to explain like there's some of the subtypes that i do think make uh that make sense that make people feel more comfortable 100 percent um like when you're talking about like the sexual ones like Mm -hmm. for sure like people that have like sexual intrusive thoughts about people they don't want to have thoughts about mm-hmm. um and you put that into a subtype and people are like oh i'm not the only one that thinks like this so thank yeah. god like, yeah definitely like i i don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. like i don't want to get rid of them but i just wonder yeah i wonder all the time right like if we i wonder how many people we're losing to the ocd diagnosis because they're like oh well i don't have contamination or like i don't have like i don't think so. i don't think so I, I think not. you're, I think you're getting obsessive over it. Probably. I do tend to do that. <laughs> so I do tend to, as soon as my brain should be like off and not thinking about OCD treatment anymore, I tend to like go way too far into it. Almost like existential or too, too philosophical, but. Deep down uh, the rabbit hole. Yeah. Life's unanswerable questions for sure. Oh yeah. Um, but anyway, right. Like we treated the same. So we treat it all the same. And obviously, like you said, like there are some subtypes that are very, uh, they experience difficulties that other subtypes maybe don't. So like the sexual intrusive thoughts, like there's a lot more taboo-ness associated with that versus say like the perfectionism and wanting everything just right in your house, so on and so forth. Um, but we would- That's the one people think about off the bat. Like they think- if I say OCD, they think, oh, you must be really like to have things in order or have things like uh, organized and, you know, put together and, uh, you know, clean and things like that. I'm like, I know my mom wishes that, you know, as I was growing up, but no. Yeah, I no, <laughs> I worked um, for the past 10 years before no CD, I worked in a residential setting. There were 28 individuals with the most debilitating OCD in the world. 
And anytime I taught, I told someone that I did that, they were like, oh yeah, they all must be super clean. They all must be like super tidy. Must be the cleanest hospital ever. And I'm like, no, Yeah. it's actually the complete opposite. Like these, these individuals, especially when COVID hit, like you'd think that every, you would think if you bought into all the stereotypes that everyone was wearing their masks and that everyone was washing their hands like crazy. And it's like, no, like people were terrified of wearing masks because they were afraid of the, of, you know, the person who handed them the mask, they then didn't want to put that on their face. Right. Like it. Yeah. They're one step ahead. One step ahead. Yeah. Like it's, it, yeah. Yeah. It, the, the myths just don't align with reality for sure. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about the, the treatment for OCD, obviously the, um, the best treatment, um, as many people in the field know, uh, is exposure response prevention, ERP. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that and how that works. I obviously know how it works. I'm working on it myself, but you're the ex you're an expert in a different way, uh, in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. So exposure and response prevention is the gold standard treatment for OCD and anxiety. So would also be the gold standard treatment for social anxiety, for phobias, um, anything like that. So what we do is essentially we identify your triggers. So we would take you through a process of identifying your triggers based on your own unique situation and scenarios. Um, And then with your collaboration, we'll identify together what's called a hierarchy, kind of like Mm -hmm. a fear ladder or like an exposure hierarchy. So we think of of OCD as having two parts, it's a two-part problem. So we need a two-part solution. So the two-part problem of OCD is the obsessions and the compulsions, right? Well, with exposure and response prevention, you need a two-part solution. So the two-part solution is exposures and response prevention or ritual prevention. Um, So you would start with the exposures, which is essentially facing your fear. So if you are uh, fearful of uh, knives, right? Like you have intrusive thoughts of harming someone and you're around knives and you're afraid of just like losing control of your impulses and stabbing someone, um, we would have you face your fears by holding knives next to people or cooking in your apartment with your roommates. Um, So facing your fears is one element via the exposures that we want you to do. But we also need you to resist the safety behaviors or the rituals or the compulsions. They're all kind of synonymous that you would normally otherwise do to kind of help yourself feel better in that situation. Mm -hmm. So it's not enough for you to just face your fear and hold on to the knife while your roommates are in the house. You can't, you, you, you have to also be doing that while resisting rituals like it's okay. This is just a knife. I'm holding it here. As long as I hold it next to me, I'm not going to lash out and hurt them. I can hold it right here and everything is fine and everything is fine. No, we want you to just let yourself be anxious and allow that to be there. So we often will say things like sit with your anxiety, let it happen, just sit with it. And it's truly just kind of like poking the bear with the exposure. You're poking the OCD, you're poking the obsession you're naturally evoking or provoking that anxiety. And then we want you to just sit with it. We want you to just allow that to be there without providing the response, i.e. response prevention of Mm -hmm. doing some type of compulsion to make it feel better. And there are two kind of models that explain or underlie why exposure and response prevention is so, 
beneficial or why it works or how it works. First of all, there's the habituation model, which just basically is a fancy way of saying that you get used to it. So as you hold onto the knife, you feel anxious, you get used to it. You do it again, you do it again, you do it repetitively, you do it for a prolonged period of time and you basically get used to it. The same way if you were to jump into a pool and it's really cold at first, eventually you just get used to it. The same thing we feel and we see happens with anxiety. You get really, really anxious. Eventually without you having to do anything about it, your anxiety comes down. Mm -hmm. Now there's also a second kind of more recent model. The habituation model has been around like forever earthworms habituate. So if you have a brain and you have like a functioning physiological, like nervous system, you habituate. Um, but humans are a little bit more complex than that, obviously with our frontal lobe and everything else. Um, and we learn. And so the second model, in addition to the habituation model, and I think they work together. I don't think they're mutually exclusive is the inhibitory learning model. So the inhibitory learning model basically means, and this is a mouthful, that you replace fear expectancies, i.e. what you are afraid will happen, what your brain tells you is going to happen that's scary. When you replace fear expectancies with new corrective experiences, i.e. oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that thing and it, my worst year didn't come true. Um, so this is essentially like if you had, a, if you were bit by a dog, right? So you had this fear expectancy that if I walk by a dog, I'll get bit. Yeah. That's your fear expectancy. And we all have fear expectancies, whether you have contamination OCD, whether you have harm intrusive thoughts, existential OCD, relationship OCD. If I'm not with the right person, then I'm wasting my time. If I'm not with the right person, then I'm, there's someone else out there who's better, whatever, so on and so forth. Um, and so we basically treat exposures like behavioral experiments. Like, let's see, let's see if that dog is going to bite you. So you have to do these exposures, put yourself in these uh, kind of behavioral experiments, walk by the dog, and it's going to be anxiety provoking. Maybe that dog will bite you. We can't promise that that won't yeah, happen. Yeah. But there's also a possibility that that dog will be super chill and like come and kiss you and lick you and want to play with you. There's also a possibility that the dog will be completely neutral and not give a crap, right? But the reality is, if all you ever do is your avoidance and your ritualistic behavior or your safety behavior of avoiding the dog, you only ever reinforce that fear of like, good thing you avoided that dog. Good thing, because otherwise you would have gotten mauled. And it's like, maybe... But maybe there were all these other things that could have happened and you never gave yourself a chance to see that mismatch. And so exposure therapy is all about maximizing and optimizing the potential for you to experience that mismatch. And so it's really the unlearning of old associations of dog yeah. equals threat and reinforcing and allowing yourself to learn new associations of dogs equal all these potential possibilities. Yeah, it's basically like basically like changing a habit. I mean, it's basically fixing a habit. 100%. Because I've gotten I mean, a lot of the stuff that I've been doing, I have uh my compulsions have been doing them for a very long time. And uh, you know, it takes What were some of them? Do you do you feel comfortable sharing? I know you've shared before. Uh so like I'll be somewhat vague, but um, 
So basically one of my, uh, one of my fears is, um, that I'm going to harm someone, uh, or expose myself like in a sexual way to someone, um, by facing a certain way. Um, and it can happen, um, even when I'm not around anyone. Um, so it's unrealistic a lot of the times. Um, it's typically when I'm at home, it's typically when I'm by myself, when I'm around other people, I can avoid acting on compulsions because I don't want anyone to see me. I don't want to be embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Um, so it typically happens when I'm by myself. And one thing I do is, um, uh, you know, I've, I, I avoid certain things. Um, like for example, like one of the things I'm working on right now is, uh, I haven't been, um, I used to be really, really like I'm active on social media, but I used to be like really, really, really active on social media. Like, um, I'm getting back into it. I'm doing better. Um, but I got to a point where, um, if I didn't press, um, post or, you know, didn't do something a certain way while I was posting something on, whether it was on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, um, anybody who's like watching this, who knows me or who has seen me like post something on Facebook, then delete it like immediately. And you saw that it was because I didn't think that I posted it the right way or that the way I posted it, I was like exposing myself somehow to someone or something. And it was just a very, I get, uh, it's a very unrealistic thing that I I've, I've created inside my head. Um, and trick myself um, into believing that I'm untricking myself by basically what I've been doing is um, because I would avoid like liking people's posts or commenting on people's posts because I was like, Oh, and then I got to go through, you know, whether or not I did it right. So I just won't do it. So I'll avoid it. So avoidance was a huge thing. What I remember even, I think after the first live that we did together, I think you wanted to not post it. Yeah. Yeah. There was that, that that happened. Yeah. There was a, I had that fear. One of the first um, things I did with my old therapist was he's like, there was like a TikTok that I started getting into TikTok a lot. Um, I do love TikTok. Yeah. I I thought I would, I I never thought I'd say that, but I do like TikTok a lot, but um, uh, so yeah, there was this TikTok that I had um, in a draft and I was afraid to post it. And, uh, he made me post it like right in front of him and like not delete it. Um, so that was one of my first experiences of that. And one of my things I'm doing right now is I'm purposely going through and commenting on people's posts that are liking it and commenting on at least three posts a day, um, and then, and not deleting it. Um, and maybe facing the wrong way on purpose while I'm doing it. Uh, so I've been doing that. Um, and that seems to be helping. Um, also interacting with people. Um, like there's a lot of people, you know, I, 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 I do want to interact with people on social media. That's what it's for. Um, and also it helps with, uh, and I interact as myself, I interact as my brand sometimes. Uh, and, uh, I want to be able to do that openly and not have to 
have these unrealistic fears of doing that and it's holding me back and uh you know it's, it's held me back from posting uh other content like i do music and things like that and it's been held me back from posting that um but uh i've gotten into kind of a mode where it's like i'm gonna do it and i'm just it's kind of like screw it i'm just gonna do it anyway um i'm not gonna let this hold me back anymore and um the more i do it the easier it get has been getting um and it's been awesome and it's helped me a lot um my engagement's been up with a lot of my stuff and um and that uh that i don't know it makes me happy and also i'm doing other things for myself mentally that are helping as well like I wasn't very, I, I don't know if I last time I talked to you, but I, um, I started going to the gym, which I did, wasn't doing. Um, yeah, that's I've awesome. been going to the gym for about a month and a half now, pretty consistently. I try to go three times a week. Um, and if I miss it, I try to substitute something else. Cause I have a couple things at home that I can do. Um, just in case awesome. I Good. I'm so happy for you. I started preparing myself for the winter just in case I don't want to leave my house. I have workout stuff. Yeah. <laughs> or if I get snowed in. Um, for sure. But yeah, it's, uh, I always dreaded the gym. I always hated that place. I always had a fear behind it. Cause I, when I was younger, I think it was like a, I don't know, like not a PTSD thing, but I think that's putting it too much, too much, uh, too much on it. But when I was younger, I was scared to go to the gym uh, because for the, you know, when I went to the gym, when I was younger, I was in high school and I was a very small kid. I was a very scrawny kid. I did not, could not lift any weight um, in comparison to anyone else. Um, a lot of, a lot of girls out benched me and it was just very embarrassing because I was a late bloomer. Um, and I, I, so ever since then, I was like, I hate this place. I'm never coming back, you know? Well, and it uh, becomes that, that experience, right? Like you don't want to go to the gym because you're going to be like inundated with these negative emotions. And even when I'm at the gym now and I go to planet fitness and planet fitness is supposed to be non-judgmental, you know, um, I still think people are judging me or people are watching my, like watching my form or thinking I'm doing something wrong. I'm not as concerned about the weight like thing. I've gotten over that. Like, I don't care. Um, but yeah, like our people watching my form and I'm like, am I doing this wrong or things like that? But it's gotten, it's gotten a lot better. Um, and now, and I've just kind of had this drive and motivation to keep going good. because it's, I'm holding myself accountable. That's so um, good. Yeah, it's been I'm proud of you. It's not it's not easy, but like you said, it's a habit, right? Like you you need to establish this new habit and keep this new habit of going to the gym. Good while habits. also letting go of yeah. these other habits that you typically would have found comfort in. But and it, it, you can probably speak to this too. Exposure therapy is not one of those things like doing a ritual is like immediately gratifying, right? Like taking that post down, it's like instant gratification. It feels like, good yeah, right away. You're safe. 
Yeah. Doing exposure therapy does not feel good right away. No. Right. Like it's not, it's like a job where you work, but you don't get the paycheck until the next year. It's a really great paycheck, but you don't get that right away. It's not mm. like where you go waitress and you get to take home cash that night. Like you have to put in a lot of the work and you might not even be sure that it's going to be effective. Right. Like you might have a lot of doubt about the process, but you, you keep working and you keep working and you keep working. And eventually it's like, oh my gosh, I've been going to the gym for the past couple of weeks for three days. And I'm not giving into these rituals. My engagement is up. And like, you start to put it together and it's like, life is way better now. Life is way better now, but you have to work for it too. That's what I'm learning is like, I'm doing, trying to do everything I can, right? The only thing I'm s- struggling with right now is uh, if I don't have like, I actually don't like the weekends as much as I used to um, because if I don't have something going on. Unstructured time. Yeah. um, Because I'll sleep. That's my, I don't know. That's my escape. Um, It's not even necessarily when I'm depressed. Like I like legitimately enjoy sleep um, (laughs) a lot. And, uh, but it's like, I waste so much time, but but as soon as I do get out of bed, whether it's even if it is super late, um, I can be productive and I can get things done and I'm motivated and, but it's just getting that first, um, those two feet out of my bed and going has, especially this past weekend was, it was a struggle this past week. That's funny. That's what this, pod this shirt's from it's from a podcast called this past weekend actually um nice. shameless plug that uh, it's a comedian his name's theo von he's got a mullet i don't know if you've ever seen his stuff on facebook but um mm-hmm. i'll share something with you. he's actually uh he's very open about his mental health on his podcast as well he's a comedian he just talks about all kinds of stuff um he'll sometimes do the podcast by himself uh which I hope I can get to that point someday where I can be that entertaining where people will just watch me by myself because he just says the most ridiculous things. Um, and that's another thing I've done to face my fears is I've done stand up twice now, um, which that's was something awesome. I always wanted to do. First time was a crazy amount of anxiety and uh, it was uh, it. I don't think it went, went very well, but I got it done. I did it. Um, the second time I was able to, uh, go up there with like, um, a better attitude of like, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like I'm, it, it's, it was only five minutes. Uh, it's not a lot of time. Um, and I kind of prepared myself a little bit more too. Like I recorded myself a couple times doing my jokes and things like that. And, uh, and I just went up there and just kind of went, I, I kind of winged it, but I knew what I was going to talk about at the same time. I actually over went over my time, uh, which is not good. Uh, luckily the, the place I was doing stand up at, I knew the guy that was running it and he was like, yeah, you got, you got to watch that next time or watch that at, when you go to other places, because they will cut the mic off right at five minutes. Oh no. Um, it's just like a, Cause they don't want people to uh, you know, they want everybody to get an equal amount of time. It's all about, you know, 
I get it. Um, I didn't go too far over, luckily. But, uh, yeah, I kind of rambled a little bit more. But that was because of the nerves a little bit. But also, I didn't want to, like, look at my notes um, or my my notes as in my phone because the first time I was kind of, like, looking at my phone too much. didn't feel as natural. I wanted it to be more natural, and I feel like that could be – that helped me uh, a little bit more. And, um, but yeah, it's something I want to continue doing uh, because uh, you know, and that's another way for me to talk about mental health and joke about it too. Cause there's, I mean, it eases the tension of it and kind of I'm able to talk about it and, you know, it doesn't have to be in a serious manner all the time. Um, and, you know, people that can relate will understand and be able to laugh about it. And, um, you know, I recently, uh, I talked about this on my, I did a Facebook live last week, um, on Wednesday and, um, it was right just a couple days after a friend of mine, um, a, a friend of mine attempted suicide last week. Um, luckily, uh, thanks to find my iPhone, someone found her. Um, and, uh, was able to save her life. So I've been, uh, I was able to go see her, um, well, cause they had her on a hold of course, uh, for a few days and talked to her, but like the whole, most of the time we were laughing. I mean, we were joking about stuff and I was making light of the situation, like in the right ways. Um, I've always had a way of doing that. Um, and I think I can do that with stand up as well. And that's another way of, um, and so you know, not letting anxiety or OCD or depression take that from you. Cause that's really special. Yeah. Cause it holds it. it that stuff holds me back. I mean, I realize how much of the, I can, I used to blame all kinds of people, things and situations um, for where I was at, but I, at the end of the day, it's, it's me, it's me that's holding me back. It's always been me. And that's, um, you know, a big reason why I stay in recovery too, because that was an escape, uh, and a quick fix. You were talking about how, you know, exposure response, um, takes time. Um, it's not instant gratification, but that's what drugs was. That's what alcohol was. I was instant gratification. Like that was something that I could instantly change the way I feel. Um, but in the long run, uh, it was the complete opposite. In the long run, I had a smaller paycheck or no paycheck or negative paycheck. Um, and now um, me doing what I need to do, I end up with more benefits in the end and it just makes more sense putting the work in and, uh, between, you know, my recovery and working my steps and doing that and my therapy. Um, and then obviously working on my physical health, you know, going to the doctor when I'm supposed to go to the doctor, I didn't do that for a while. Like I would not, not go to the doctor for checkups and checkups are free. Like, it's like, I didn't have to pay for it. Um, I would do stuff, stupid stuff like that, but now I'm have all that in check and I also have one so kidney awesome. and I have to check on my kidney and <laughs> just crazy stuff like that. Um, I have plenty of things to joke about too. So, um, 
the kidney thing's a funny one because of the situation where I found out I had one kidney. I was actually in Mexico and uh, the joke that everybody always says when I say I found out I had one kidney while I was in Mexico is that it got stolen. It was on the black market and got sold to somebody else. And you're funny. I was in like the good, I was in the, not the good part, the nice American money, Mexico. I was basically in America, but in Mexico at the same time. That's, you know, that Mexico is the one place that I've ever traveled to outside of the United States. And it was for a destination wedding. And I was with my toddler. It was awful. <laughs> oh, man. I bet that was rough. Yeah. How old, Actually, is, how old is your son like now? He was two? like a year and a half. So it was even worse. <laughs> how old is he? Two or three? He's three and a half now. Wow. Mm hmm. Yeah. So it was like the worst. It was like one of those vacations where you need a vacation from your vacation. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a lot of weird vacations. It's kind of like almost like a knock on wood. I don't have any wood around me, but I'm going on vacation next month. But like, sir, I've had a lot of weird vacations. Like I went to Hawaii last year and uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> um, and it was like, we we're on the fence about even going and then we went and then everything started shutting down in Hawaii and I, I left yeah. early. It was awful. Yeah. We have a vacation planned uh, in December for Florida. And I'm like, I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You might be able to get, depending on when you got vaccinated, you get your booster. I know some people that already got it. Yeah. I got it. I think the December or January. Plus yeah. I already had COVID. So my immune system should be like, ready to go same. i feel the same i i've had covid and also i've heard that you know your physical health and your immune system um and you just can help a lot on its own obviously with any virus but mm -hmm. yeah so i i don't know i i don't i just hear obviously like what i see on social media i try like not to have the news on um but yeah i yeah. feel i feel like come at me bro like but not really because having COVID was terrible, but between oh. having it and then getting vaccinated. Um, yeah. Hopefully we can go in, in Florida, to Florida, but I don't know. We'll have to see, but. Any have you last, had any people any that words? have, uh, what'd you say? I'm sorry. I, I was going to say any last words before I, cause I'll have, I have to go put my toddler to bed. Yeah. I understand. Uh, have you had anyone um, that have had like their main, have been like hyper focused and hyper obsessive about about COVID and like not like that me being one of their main fears. For uh, sure, um, I would say though that it never existed like solely with COVID, right? So there was um, something else. There was usually, I mean, COVID definitely exacerbated it for so many people, but. For the most part, a lot of individuals were already terrified of contamination or were scared of responsibility of harming other people um, and kind of and COVID just... created like this new spice or this like new flavor that just made things so much worse. Um, but I, I would be very skeptical if anyone said that, like, I never felt this way until COVID. Like, chances were you, you oh, probably yeah. had anxiety or some, you know, manifestations of OCD in maybe some subtler ways. 
Um, and stressors like a pandemic can certainly like turn that light switch on. Um, but chances are there was always something else kind of lingering. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I still have people who like wipe down. I have people who literally like, like grapes, if they get grapes, they have to wipe off every single individual grape, um, like rinse it off, use like a special spray with it. Uh, yeah, it's, it, I have people still who like, if they go out to get their mail, they have, they feel like they need to come back in and and shower. I have people who still wear masks in the house, even though they live by themselves, like OCD can definitely, I've seen some, I've seen some, but I I almost want to say like, I've seen some wild things, but it's not because OCD, OCD just takes your worst fear and it's like a thunderbolt multiplies it. Yeah. It's like a thunderbolt. And these people know just like in true OCD fashion that this is ridiculous and that they don't need to be doing this, but they feel like they need to anyway. And the stakes are just too high that they can't stop. Yep. It's very, very difficult. And it's very, yeah. Especially when you know how ridiculous it is, like Mm -hmm. how ridiculous the stuff you're doing is, but you're doing it anyway, because it's, the only way you know how to deal with it and how to find any sense of relief. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. Thanks, but that's why I'm no CDs here. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here telling your story and it sucks to resist those rituals, but there's so much else waiting for you on the other side of that, like going to the gym and all these other cool things that you value that had you let your OCD run the show, you may not be able to get the, to do the things that you want to do. Yeah. You, there used to be places that I wouldn't go for a long time. That was, this was a years back, but, but I would like, cause I was worried about, you know, the harm OCD or the exposure OCD, whatever I was going through, I would avoid certain scenarios where I knew that I would be put in a situation where my anxiety would be heightened. I would just avoid them completely. Like, but it was like going to the grocery store or going to the mall, just stuff like that. It's like, oh man, I'm glad I'm not there anymore, but uh, I'm at a point where it's just like, just annoying. And then there's just these little tedious little things that are bothering me that are holding me back. And it's just like, I just want to be done with it. And I want to move on with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, that's why I'm I have so two se- That's why I have two sessions this week. I'm not messing around. Um, so we're, we're really getting into it. Um, well, yeah. And I, I like, let me know. I'm really curious just as a friend, right? Like I'm curious how you're digging it. And, you know, I was with you at the beginning of the pandemic and I think we did our first live together. So, I mean, you just seem happier. You seem more confident. Yeah. I'm just really happy for you. Yeah. And I, I, I did find, I, I obviously couldn't have you as my therapist, but I found a really good therapist and I yes. think you agree. So. Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah, we have great therapists and I'm just really happy because as you know, like you need a specialized therapist in this. It's not accessible to everybody, but it's so effective. Like if you do the work and you really listen to your therapist and you're not playing games and you show up for your appointments and you do the things like it doesn't take all that long to start to feel better. Right. Like, And the fact that I can talk to her if I need to in between sessions, like, I don't like, we don't have full on conversations, but like, 
I could be like, Hey, I told her about this tonight. Cause I know she, cause I think I brought it up last week and I was like, Oh, I better send her the link. She's like, I don't have Facebook, but my husband does. And um, <laughs> so I don't know, maybe she watched it or she'll watch it later. I was like, you can watch it later too. You don't have to watch it as it's going on. Um, yeah. Well, that warms our heart for as therapists. Like we, it's really cool because in order to really benefit from this therapy, you can't just do the exposures in session. Like you can't just do what your therapist tells you to do. You have to live the lifestyle. You have to take it on and like absorb it and really understand the treatment and make it a lifestyle. It's not just like, okay, I have to do this exposure and then I'm done. I have to do this exposure, cross it off my list and then I'm done. It's like, no, you're reworking your relationship with negative emotions. You're reworking your relationship with fear. Mm -hmm. And like that, those are skills that you can take with you forever. So as a therapist, like I'm sure if she does watch or if she does even just like think about you doing this, it probably warms her heart because it's like, that's you you're not just doing the exposure, right? Like you're implementing this into your lifestyle. You're taking in the information, you're absorbing it and you're defending the logic of it, which is really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing whatever I have to do. I mean, at this point it's like either, I mean, what, what else is there left to do at this point? Like I've been dealing with this for so long. It's just like, that's not kind of how I felt when I got in recovery, when I, quit using drugs it was just like I had to stop it's just like I know where this is going it's only going to get worse and I don't want that to happen I want mm -hmm. to get better and I want to help others get better too so yeah well such an inspiration I'm so happy that you're here and that you have the platform that you do and you can help other people and like I'm excited like again for you like as a friend I'm just really excited for you that you found something like what you're going through right now, I, I have chills. Like I want everyone to find that for themselves. I want them to be like sick of what the OCD has done. I want them to be ready to do whatever the hell they have to do to get better. And just take and even if it's like, not OCD, if it's something yeah. else, like the therapy just, I mean, it helps and listen to your therapist. Don't bullshit your therapist. That's another thing. I, I don't think I could bullshit my therapist to be honest with you. She's pretty good. Um, That's awesome. I picked up on that. Like, I've, there's been a couple things I've said where she's like, ah, it's like, and I need that. I need somebody to hold me accountable sometimes. I, I'm not, I'm not perfect. So, I'm so glad that you found someone so good. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, Took keep me while, posted. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get some sleep, but keep me posted. I wish you, I mean, truly, just as a friend, as like a fellow OCD nerd, I wish you the best and I want you to keep me updated on how you're doing. I will. I'll definitely let you know. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Let me know if you have any questions. Come yep, see us more everyone. at No CD. Um, yeah, we're here for you. Whenever whenever your peeps are ready, we're here for you. And we have we have a great community. If anyone out there is listening, um, even if you're not ready for therapy, we have free support groups. Even if you're not in therapy, you can still come and take part and participate in our support groups. Um, so just download our No CD app, just like you were saying. You know, you yep. were using the app and kind of navigating the app for the longest time before you jumped in and got therapy. So therapy is kind of, I mean, it's obviously the biggest resource that we offer, but we also offer an in-app community where you can be with other people. Support groups, like I said, are free. We also offer like exposure and response prevention tools, like little SOS 
uh, SOS functions. If you're really struggling and you need to like find your center and have one of our experts kind of walk you through an exposure, we offer that too. So lots of really cool stuff. Um, and yeah, this was fun. Thank you so much for having me. No problem, Jenna. I'll talk to you soon. Julio, see ya. Best of luck too. Keep me posted. Will do. Take care. Bye. Bye.